Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father, Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I have agony in, his, in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone came from the dead goes, from, goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, how church. Um, it's good to open God's word together. Um, as we do this, uh, let, let's pray. Before. Father God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus word in, in this passage, a difficult topic, and so pray that you will soften our hearts. Uh, it will help me to, to be faithful to your word, uh, to be clear, and uh, help us as a church community to reflect and to uh, respond to your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, recently, someone suggested uh, a rather old Netflix series for us to watch, for Winnie and I to watch. It's called The Good Place. Uh, the whole story kind of builds on this idea that people, after they died, they get sorted to the good place or the bad place, uh, according to what they have done throughout their lifetime. And the story starts with this, um, the girl, um, the main character, one of the main characters, Edna, uh, she was wrongly put into the good place. And, and after realizing the mistake, the good place people um, have discussed, okay, what do we do now? Do we send her back to the bad place? Do we give her a chance to stay here? And one of her defenses um, that she said is, well, it's unfair to send me to the bad place. I was not a very good person, but I was not evil as well. There should be a middle place for someone like me. And, and this is probably the most, I think, common thinking of our world these days concerning hell. I'm not perfect, but I'm not terrible either. 
and so I do not deserve hell. It's unfair to send me to hell. If, if God is just and fair, I should not be put to hell. I should go to the middle place, if not heaven. To us, the idea of hell sounds harsh and unfair. Well, if hell is real, uh, this would be one of the most important topics for us to think about and to understand. And so let's have a look at our passage today. Uh, there will be three, three points. Uh, first point, two men. Second, Hades. And third, the warning. Well, the parable starts with Jesus painting for us a picture of two very different men. In verse 19. Verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At the start of the passage, we meet two men. First, a rich man. Uh, Jesus told us he dressed in purple, uh, which in the ancient world uh, is a symbol of the royals. Uh, it is an extremely rare uh, color for, for clothes uh, because the purple dye comes from this uh, a particular kind of, of sea snail that's supposed to be exceedingly rare. And so Jesus told us, um, yeah, this man wears this purple cloth. And also he wears fine linen and lived in luxury, uh, probably referring to uh, some kind of celebration, uh, some kind of feasting that he enjoys every day. In summary, the rich man, he, he lives a good and abundant life. He lives a self-sufficient life. Next, we are presented with a beggar uh, at the rich man's gate called Lazarus, uh, which means the one God helps. Well, if you remember in our Ruth series, uh, Darren told us that names are important in the biblical world it usually communicates a certain truth about the person. Well, Lazarus, uh, he is in much need. He was covered with sores, and he was starving and longing for food, even just the crumbs that fell from the table of the rich man. And Jesus told us, dogs come and lick his sores. A, a very sad picture painted by Jesus for us. Well, Lazarus, he lives a totally different life compared to the rich man. He lacks what he needs, and, and he's dependent on others to provide for him. Well, what do we make of these two characters? How, how are we feeling about the description so far? I wonder if one of the common mistakes that as Bible readers we can make probably out of a good intention, uh, is, is to read something like this and immediately to jump to um, application, uh, jump to the question, what I should do? Is Jesus teaching us to, to care for, for the poor? Is Jesus telling me I need to sympathize with the poor? Is Jesus saying to me that to live a luxurious life is not right? Well, I'm not saying these are 
not good things to do. These are good things. But as Bible readers, we do need to be disciplined in, in our Bible reading and, and to slow down in applying everything to ourselves directly. Notice in the passage, there's no accusation to the rich man. The story didn't stay, say that he, he's corrupted or he's exploiting um, Lazarus or oppressing the poor. The only thing we can point our fingers to is probably um, his lack of awareness of Lazarus, that he didn't realize Lazarus was there and so not helping him. Really, Jesus has just given us a mere description of the two men. And the conclusion we can have on the rich man is, well, probably he, he lives according to his means. Same applies to Lazarus. Uh, he wasn't described as a particularly godly man. Uh, he was in this unfortunate situation. He, he was in need and uh, does not have much control over his own life. He was being laid at the gate of the rich man. He was longing for something to eat. He was being licked by um, the dogs. Uh, he was not in control, but that's it. Uh, that what, that's what Jesus has told us so far. Two men, very different men. Well, these two pictures printed for us are, are, are not prescriptive, are not telling us what we need to do it's a mere contrast between these two men. The rich man is self-sufficient, and Lazarus is in need of help. That's what Jesus has painted for us so far. And as the story continues, uh, the turning point comes in verse 22. Verse 22. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. Well, both were dead and Lazarus was carried to Abraham's side. Uh, another way for the, for the Jews to mean he is in paradise. On the other hand, in verse 23, the rich man was in Hades. And three things we can learn about hell uh, from this parable of Jesus. First, hell is a place of torment and agony. Uh, from the rich man's calling out to Abraham, we know that he is suffering severely, longing for water so much, even just a dip of the finger in the water is what he's seeking and cannot get. But the phrase at the end of verse 24, in the fire, uh, might, might not be literal. Uh, it can be a figurative speech uh, to represent a constant longing, a torture from an unsatisfied longing that he feels like a fire is burning inside him. Second, in, in verse 25, Abraham seems to allude to some kind of fairness idea. Uh, notice Abraham didn't say, because in your lifetime you receive good things and so you are in agony now. That's not what Abraham said. Abraham didn't suggest a, a direct causal relationship between the two. Heaven is not a simple reciprocal um, to, to the current earthly life that we're living. But, but Abraham did remind the rich man 
what has happened in his lifetime. The fact stated seems to suggest some kind of fairness idea, and it seems to be accepted by the rich man as he remembers it. Uh, even though we are not being presented of what the reasoning behind. And third, about hell, in verse 26, it is mentioned about a great chasm between Hades and paradise. The phrase um, has been set in place, probably means by God. And, and so, this is a divine separation. No one can cross from one side to the other. Uh, these are the things we learn about hell. It is a horrible place, a place of constant torment and agony. And there is no escape from it. No one can cross from Hades to paradise. The topic of hell is, is a difficult topic. And one of the reasons is because we think hell is a place God sent us to. We feel that it is so unfair. We think to ourselves, sure, I'm, I'm no saint, but I'm not Hitler as well. I did some good, I did some bad, I'm an average person, and, and so I do not deserve hell. Why would God send me to hell? Another reason why we might find this concept problematic might be because it's based on such arbitrary standard. A standard like whether I believe in a particular religion, in a particular person, whether I'm willing to accept supernatural miracles, uh, things like Jesus' death and resurrection, things that I don't often see. Sending someone to hell purely based on what I believe or, or don't believe doesn't seem fair at all. In the Bible, however, hell is understood slightly differently. It is not primarily a place, but, but the absence of the good God. In the Bible, we know that God is the loving creator of our world. All the good things come from Him. He is the only one who ultimately satisfies. And, and when people reject the loving ruler, they are rejecting the source of goodness. And hell is the full expression of this rejection. Imagine a world that all the good things are taken away. There's no food when we are hungry, no water for thirst. To those who love, who love the nature, there's no green plants. There's no friendship, no parental love. All the relationships are messed up. There's no sense of fulfillment. And generally, just no virtues at all. Fairness, justice, honesty, compassion, integrity, self-control, courage, generosity. All these good virtues are gone. Imagine a world like that. Church, this is the reality when we reject God. This is what hell is going to look like 
an eternal separation from the good God. It, it is a truly hopeless and horrible place, a place we should avoid at all costs. Well, back to the parable. Understanding there's no way out, the rich man now turns to another course to save his brothers. In verse 27, he, the rich man, answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Nazareth to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Well, surprisingly, Abraham, responding to the rich man, he didn't say yes. From, from a human's perspective, this is a very good request, isn't it? Well, we, we can't help the rich man now, but his five brothers still have a chance. Why, why couldn't Lazarus go and, and help them to see the truth, help them to repent? Isn't this a, a loving thing to do? Well, repentance is indeed the most important thing that we can do in this world. But sending Lazarus isn't the way to achieve this. In verse 29, uh, Abraham told us, they, the five brothers, have Moses and the prophets. Listen to them. Listen to God's word. This is Abraham's reply. And the, when the rich man push, pushes further, uh, asking to send someone from the dead, uh, send a miracle to his brothers, Abraham gave this final verdict in verse 31. If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Church, this is the punchline of our passage today. Remember who Jesus was talking to here. Uh, in verse 14 of this chapter, uh, he is speaking to the Pharisees who have read Moses and the prophets thoroughly. But at the same time, um, Luke told us they loved money. And as they heard Jesus' teachings, they sneered at him. They are the people who Jesus was was responding to. Jesus was telling them and also telling us the way to repentance is not through miracles, but through the Word of God. Don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying God can't use miracles to, to save us, uh, to cause someone to change. But what Abraham is saying here is miracles alone are not enough to change someone's heart. If one doesn't respond to God's word, Moses and the prophets, one would not respond even if they see a miracle. The thing we need to understand regarding ourselves, our heart, is how it can be hardened so much. It's in our human nature, we are more comfortable with victimizing ourselves than to acknowledge that we can be the problem. We tend to find excuses for ourselves, uh, so to allow unrepentance. Excuses like, 
well, everyone else is doing this. It's not a big deal. Or, well, I know this isn't right, but, but it's the result of a combination of factors, and I'm not in full control of this. I'm just a product of the environment. Or, or I have no choice. I will make up for the wrongs I've done by, by doing some good in the other areas of my life. It's so natural for us to, to blame someone else, blame it on, on circumstances, and, and make a lot of if-only kind of excuses. If only I see a miracle before my own eyes, then I will repent and believe. If only I live in Jesus' days, then I will be certain what to choose. Church, this is what Jesus is pointing out for us in this parable. If they do not listen to the prophet and Moses, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. The problem is not the method of proclaiming the message. The problem is our human heart, the hardening of our heart, our unrepenting heart. Well, today we have looked at this really difficult concept of, of hell, a place of agony and, and torment, a place where people are eternally separated from the good God. And this is a difficult concept to grasp. It is a scary picture painted by Jesus for us, a concept that would probably bring some strong emotions to, to some of us. At the same time, Jesus' warning to the Pharisees is relevant to us as well. It's easy for us to have our heart hardened and, and make excuses, maybe even excuses concerning hell. I can't imagine a God who sent people to hell. This is not the all-loving, all-caring God that I know. And this is not the God that I want to relate with. Church, do we accept Jesus' analysis of our heart problem? Do we, do we see a true condition that Jesus has pointed out for us? If we do not listen to the scripture, to Moses and the prophets, we will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Do, do we see the truth in this statement? Because this is exactly what has happened. Our Lord Jesus has risen from the dead. He has come back and told us the good news that in Christ we can be reconciled with our loving Creator. And there are numerous eyewitnesses for, for His resurrection. The Apostle Peter, the 12 apostles, and then Jesus also appeared to more than 500 brothers at the same time. And, and at last, to our Apostle, the Apostle to the Gentiles, Paul. And we can read about all their accounts in our Bible today. Church, we are in a much better position compared to the rich man and his five brothers. Someone has come back from the dead and bore witness for us. 
how would we respond to his testimony? Will we allow our hardened heart to, to continue to make excuses for ourselves? Or are we willing to, to listen to his testimony and, and repent from a self-dependent, self-sufficient kind of way of living? Well, we definitely need God's help to soften our heart. So let's pray. Father God, we know that yeah, our heart often hardened and we can make all kinds of excuses to delay repentance, to say that we are in a different situation and so your teachings doesn't apply to our current circumstances. We can pick and choose what you teach us. We can reject you uh, thinking that we ourselves are sufficient. Father, we know that we, we can't change ourselves. We know that it's only through you uh, that we can be changed. And we know that the, the, the biggest miracle that we can have is your work in our heart to soften our heart. So please uh, send a spirit to, to our heart and help us to respond to your word um, to see the warning by our Lord Jesus and respond favorably. Father, please also help us to, to see the, the, the scariness, the horribleness of, of hell. And so that would be one of the reasons for us to uh, sense the urgency to, to tell our friends and families of our Lord Jesus and to listen to him. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.